0: Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2. We're continuing our discussion of the uh, church doctrinal statement, picking up in Ephesians chapter 2, verse, uh, how about 8? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. That was last week's lesson we began the discussion about salvation and what it meant to be saved by grace alone. But continuing into verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice the use of the word work. We are not saved by works. We are saved To do works. Today we're going to talk about the second half of that, which is the doctrine of sanctification. We're going to work through the doctrinal statement regarding sanctification. This is Article 9, if you have the book. We believe that sanctification is a setting apart unto God, is threefold. Stop middle of the sentence. What does this mean? Sanctification has a past, a present, and a future implication. What are we? This is what is known as positional sanctification. Through the finished work of Jesus, we are declared to be righteous. This was last week's lesson. What are we becoming? This is what we call progressive sanctification. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And finally, what we someday will be, which is ultimate sanctification, which is referred to as glorification. Later, I'm going to have a chart of errors to avoid when dealing with sanctification. And I think the first one on the list is confusing justification and sanctification. They are different things. Last week, we talked about justification. What does it mean to be made right with God? Justification is an act. It is done. You are justified. You are reborn. You are made anew. You are a new creation. But I don't know if you've caught on to the fact you're not perfect yet. You may have the indwelling Holy Spirit. You may have been declared righteous in the eyes of God because of the finished work of Jesus. (sighs) But we live everyday life. We get frustrated. I got frustrated the last two days over a sink. You know, all Teresa wanted to do was replace the faucet. How hard could it be? And 14 hours later, I finished it. After dismantling the whole sink, because it, anyway. Frustration. Sanctification. Sanctification. Progressive sanctification is the process by which we work out what God has put into us. What is the period of sanctification? Well, it starts when you are justified and it ends when you die. So I'm hoping most of us are in that bracket right now. This is the Christian life. This is what it means to grow, to mature. We'll look at a lot of verses about this in just a moment. But someday, the scripture says we will be glorified. In our sermon series, we've been talking about the second coming, and we had a brief discussion about our glorified bodies and what that means. And it's an interesting discussion. But what is even more amazing is that that final tent of our old sin nature is finally going to be removed. Do you ever get to the point that you just wish you wouldn't be, well, tempted and stumble and fall and you just wish that that would be dealt with? Well, that is the ultimate sanctification, which is referred to as glorification. What in the world is sanctification Exodus 29 I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar I will sanctify also Aaron and his sons sanctification simply means being set apart for God okay sanctification itself can apply to things animals places people All of these things can be sanctified. I have this gold cup, and I put it to use in the temple. It has been set apart for God's work. What that means is it is no longer to be used for everyday activities. So when the king of Babylon takes those gold cups and brings them out, he is being sacrilegious because he's using that which was sanctified, set apart for everyday purposes. And we understand this. You read the book of Exodus. You read the description of the tabernacle. You read the description later of the temple that is made. And you understand that all of this stuff was set apart. In the same way, I'm a... Sheep herder, I've got all these sheep, and I go over there and I get this one that supposedly is the one without flaw, and I bring it to the tabernacle, and I have set it apart. I have sanctified it. It is no longer to be used as the other sheep are used. So we sanctified the candles, we sanctified the animals, we sanctified the altar. All of this was set apart for God's use. It was not to be used for everyday activities. We're going to talk about us being sanctified. Sanctification is the same word that is translated holy, and saint in the scripture. We are set apart for God's purposes. And that's the process, the process of sanctification. Back to the doctrinal statement. We believe that sanctification, which is a setting apart unto God, is threefold. It is already complete for every saved person, because his position toward God is the same as Christ's position. Since the believer is in Christ, he is set apart unto God in the measure in which Christ is set apart unto God. Hebrews 10, 17, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now, the key phrase in this, We have been made holy. We have been sanctified. We have been set apart. Is something wrong, David? You're looking confused. Is that not the right verse? Oh, that's a different verse. The reference is probably wrong. He looked confused, so... Uh, The key to this is that we have been set apart. It was an act. It was done. But it was done through the finished work of Jesus Christ. By the sacrifice of Jesus Christ once and for all. You don't have to be re-sanctified. You have been declared holy. We believe, however... That he, that would be us, retain his sin nature, which cannot be eradicated in this life. Therefore, while the standing of the Christian in Christ is perfect, his present state is no more perfect than his experience in daily life. There is, therefore, a progressive sanctification wherein the Christian is to grow in grace And to be changed by the unhindered power of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we get in trouble. Wouldn't you love to be declared righteous by the finished work of Jesus Christ and at that point to be totally righteous? To, at that point, to stop getting mad when the Sink faucet won't come off. Wouldn't that be great to not be irritated because the wrong person won the election? We won't go there. Because the wrong person cuts you off in traffic. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if my sin nature immediately vanished? Why didn't God do it that way? Why didn't God just fix me right there instead of waiting till some nebulous time after death? Why did he do it? Well, we can speculate on why he did it. I would contend he wanted us to every day be totally 100% dependent upon him. We are growing in our faith. We are maturing in our walk. But we are doing that to the extent that we are dependent upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. So, we believe that he, us, retains his sin nature, which cannot be eradicated in this life. I would love for that not to be true. Therefore, Therefore, while the standing of the Christian in Christ is perfect because we are in Christ, a progressive sanctification exists. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Since we have these promises, dear friend, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. We looked at a verse that talked about we were made holy, we were set apart. Now we're going to look at a series of verses about us working at it. And what does that mean? Since we have these promises, what are the promises? Well, pick a verse out of the Bible the things that God has promised that he will do for us. Let us purify ourselves. What does that mean? Let us set ourselves apart for the things of God. But look at what it says. Let us. That's you, that's me, that's all of us. Error number two that we're going to fall into, okay? And trust me, you're going to do this. The first error was confusing justification and sanctification. The second error is one of these things that, as we've noticed, I I use the picture of guardrails, you know, going down the highway, okay? Uh, When we talked about Jesus, we talked about those who think he's just God, great guy, or those who think that he's just human, great guy, but not God. You can run into trouble on either side. When it comes to sanctification, there are two errors. One is thinking, it's all up to me, and the other is thinking, I'm going to sit here passively in my chair and let God take care of it. Just like he did for justification. The reality is we participate in the sanctification process. We are told to do things. Do you remember the discussion that we had In the book of Galatians, when we got to the fruit of the Spirit, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and the rest of them. And we talked about the fact that the fruit, the fruit is born by the Holy Spirit. It's His job to bring about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, And self-control. Yet other places we're told to pursue love, work toward peace, do these things. So which is it? Yes. You knew the answer to that, right? To think that we can do it by ourselves is foolishness. To think that we do not participate in it it, is unbiblical. Unbiblical. You see, there are those who believed I am saved by faith, then it's all up to me. No, guess what? It's faith on day one, it's faith on day two, it's grace on day one, it's grace on day two. Dot, 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 dot. But, let us purify ourselves. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Quick question. What is it that contaminates body and spirit? Without getting into any details at all, the answer is sin. We are to remove ourselves from sin, perfecting holiness out of reverence of God. What is it that drives us to want to Sanctify ourselves. Wouldn't it be a whole lot more fun to walk down the aisle or accept Christ and be baptized and then go live any way you want to? Wouldn't that be more fun? No. If there is no interest, I've said this a hundred times in here, if there is no interest in being sanctified, it is a warning that maybe we are not what we think we are. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. I know what you're thinking. Okay. Maybe the monk living in the monastery. Maybe down the street from our house, where the convent is, where the... uh, sisters, nuns, whatever they are, uh, spend all their day in prayer and they don't mingle with the real world, maybe they could be holy. But you know, I've got to change kitchen sinks, bathroom sinks. I can't do this, right? And the answer is you cannot do it on your own, but you can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. God did not call us to be impure. Ephesians 4.24, and to put off the new self created to be like God, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is what we are called to do. Ah, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her, the church, to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What is Christ trying to work out in you? that you are, in fact, holy and blameless. But wait a minute. Didn't you just say we are holy and blameless? Yes. Positional sanctification, progressive sanctification. We are working out in our daily life what God has put into us. How does this happen? Number one, God sanctifies us. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. Through and through, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's word sanctifies us. Sanctify, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, I always have a question about this, which is, how much of the word do I need? Okay? And the answer is more. Whatever it is, it's more. You know, I'm not going to stand here and say, you need to write, read your Bible 10 hours every day. Okay? I wouldn't have gotten my sink fixed if I did that. But we need to be in the Word and allow the Word to work through us and to sanctify us. How do you know what it means to be sanctified if you don't have the Word? Our fathers disciplined us for a while while they, for a while while as they thought best but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. We're talking about how we are sanctified. We are disciplined. How many of you like that idea? How many of you, when you were a child, liked being disciplined? How many of you like it even less as an adult when somebody says, you're going the wrong way? What is it that makes us not like discipline? Pride. God disciplines us for our own good. How does he discipline us? Now, the word discipline can actually be used in a couple of different ways. We talk about disciplining children. That is, they do something wrong, we tell them they've done something wrong, and we discipline them. But we also talk about a sports team or some other group being disciplined. They work at what they're doing. They learn, they strengthen themselves, they go through the exercises, so on the game day, they know what they need to do. They are disciplined. And both those apply in this passage. We are disciplined when we do something that we ought not do. And you go, that's bad. God loves us. He wouldn't discipline us. You do know, right, that it says that a father disciplines the children whom he loves. I told my children when they were little, they never believed me. But I told them, if I did not love you, I wouldn't discipline you. I would just let you do whatever you wanted to do. If you're not my problem. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Now, you will see in the scripture, when it talks about being holy and being set apart, it does spend a certain amount of time talking about sexual immorality, When you look at the list, uh, well, there's the good list, the fruit of the Spirit, and right before it is the bad list of the works of the flesh, and you know, right, that there's a lot of those things on that list that have to do with improper sexuality. Why is that? Well, when the Scripture talks about us walking away from God, it refers to it as Idolatry. But then it talks about idolatry being like going after prostitutes. There was a um, southern novelist by the name of Walker Percy, Christian, kind of strange. And uh, you read his books and you go, this guy's a Christian? he sure spends a lot of time talking about sex. Well, what does the Bible say when people start walking away from God? How do we see that? In improper sexual activity. It just happens. You see that in our society today. So when Walker Percy wanted to talk about people walking away from God, how did you see that? That's how it works out. When we are pursuing sexual immorality, we are walking away from God. We are not being sanctified. We are taking our body that just like that golden cup that was in the tabernacle set apart for God's purposes, we are using it for some other purpose. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We could spend the next two hours on these two verses. You know why I know we can do that? I've done it before. (laughs) Remember the pattern of the book of Romans. Romans 1 to 8, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be justified? What does it mean to be right with God? Can you do it by keeping the law? Nope. Can you do it this way? Nope. You do it through the finished work of God. And chapter eight begins with the, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Great chapter. Chapters nine through 11 get a little distracted. What about Israel? But chapter 12 returns back to chapters one to eight and says, okay, now what do we do about it? We have been justified. What do we do about it? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Offer your bodies as living sacrifice. What does that mean? I remember Ted once in a sermon talking about this passage says, You know, you're going to offer a lamb as a sacrifice. You slit the throat of the lamb, the lamb dies. You put the lamb on the altar, and the lamb's not going anywhere. Why? Because it's dead. But you and I have this strange habit of wanting to climb off. We don't want to be the sacrifice. We want to climb off and run off for a little while. That's why we regularly, daily, have to put ourselves back on the altar as a sacrifice. Are you seeing a pattern here? The process of sanctification is a process. Every day we are to present ourselves as sacrifices. Every day we are to stop being conformed to the world. Every day we are to renew our mind. Every day we are going to look to see what God's will is. Every day, every day, every day. Back to the doctrinal statement. We believe also that the child of God will yet be fully sanctified in his state as he is now sanctified and is standing in Christ when he shall see his Lord and shall be like him. This isn't today. This isn't tomorrow. This is heaven. That final taint of our sin, of our sin nature will be removed. And we shall, in fact, be like Christ. Now, remember, that doesn't mean we're going to be God it doesn't mean we're going to be 100% God and 100% human like Jesus is. It means that as Jesus was in his human flesh, we too will be able to not sin. You've heard this before, right? Adam and Eve were put in the garden. Adam and Eve were told to tend the garden, and Adam and Eve were told they could eat of anything they wanted except that one tree over there. At that point, Adam and Eve could have sinned, or Adam and Eve could have not sinned. They sinned. And we, you and I, are born with a sin nature. We had a discussion about this about three weeks ago. You and I are now, well, no, in our unregenerated state, are in a position where I would contend we cannot not sin. We're going to sin. In fact, I'm not going to say everything that the unbeliever does is sin. But when we do things and do not give God the glory for them, even though the thing in and of itself might be good, it's still sin. So Adam and Eve could sin or not sin. We in our fallen state cannot not sin. We are made new through the finished work of Jesus Christ, and we can not sin but we also do sin. But there will come a time when we are glorified and we will be free from sin and we will not be sinning in heaven. Now, at that point, you can get a long discussion about free will in heaven and all that stuff. We're not going there. My contention is simply this. You and I being in the presence of God The idea of sinning would be so repugnant. We just never would do it. Whether we had the free will to do it or not, we wouldn't do it. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Ever-increasing glory. Glory. That's you and that's me. C.S. Lewis wrote an essay. It's actually in a book by the same titled The Weight of Glory. What that means for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And finally, Romans 8.30. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now, I know what word there you want to talk about, and we're not going to do that because we're going to talk about the last word, and that is glorified. The key to this is he who began a good work in you will accomplish it. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. We are declared righteous through the finished work of Jesus Christ. We live our life working that out in our daily life. Sometimes we do well, sometimes we don't do well, sometimes we're just, just. And at some point, God takes us home and we are made what God had intended us to be. We are glorified. Errors to avoid, confusing justification and sanctification. Always, always, always remember which comes first. I told you last week, and I'll repeat it again, because it's relevant to both of these lessons. If you ask a good Catholic, are you saved, if they really understand their theology, they will say, I mean, they will use this line, I hope so. Why? Because they believe that through the grace of God, through the grace of God, they are being sanctified. They are being sanctified. They are being sanctified. And at some point, they die. And if they are in a state of grace, they will be justified because they are in that state of grace. Now, remember, it's grace. I mean, we're, we're, we're throwing grace in here. But the justification comes at the end because they have, in fact, been sanctified. To them, the Protestants are telling a lie. Well, God is telling a lie. If I am declared righteous and I'm not, then it's a lie. But what they don't understand is that I am not being declared righteous because of what I did. I am being declared righteous because of what Jesus did. So the process is of sanctification. The event is of justification. And we have to keep them in the right order. And we have to remember... Let's keep going. Believing that we add anything to our justification. This is error number two among many. We talked about this last week, but I'm going to remind you of it because because we just read a lot of verses that say you have to do something. And some of you are thinking Oh, I have to do those things in order to be justified. Go back to last week's lesson. We don't do anything to be justified. We do things to be sanctified, to be set apart. We, nothing in this lesson, should lead you to believe that you have to do these things in order to be justified. We are saved not through works, but we are saved to do good works. You have to understand that distinction. Otherwise, you're going to wake up on some really bad morning and think, I must not be saved because I'm not glorified. I'm still sinning. Yeah. Believing that our sanctification is already complete. This is known as perfectionism. There is actually a movement, was, I'm not sure how big it is today. I'm a new creature. All things have become new. I'm perfect. I always wanted to ask the guy's wife. Perfectionism. Perfectionism is the idea that being made new in Christ, I am perfect. Now, sometimes this gets kind of connected with some idea of Gnosticism because people begin to think, okay, spiritually I'm perfect, and that's all that matters. What the flesh does, well, that's just the flesh being the flesh. And as every good Gnostic knows, the flesh is evil and wicked anyway. That's how you have uh, medieval uh, people setting up a kingdom of God on earth, and we're all anything we want, but our bodies, well, we can do anything we want with that, and so you have all kinds of, well, sexual immorality. There are those who want to say, I am a new creature. I'm perfect. But you don't see that in their everyday life. My argument would be those who are, in fact, closer to perfection continue to realize how far from perfection they really are. To me, it's the person who's not even close who begins to believe that maybe I'm perfect, Believing that we do not participate in our sanctification. This also is an error. Uh, J.I. Packer says, God's method of sanctification is neither activism, self-reliant activity, nor apathy, God-reliant passivity, but rather God-dependent effort. Okay? You know what this means, right? There are those, I have heard this, you, there are those, I am saved by grace and it's up to me to work it out. No, that is going to produce confusion. It's going to produce exhaustion. It's not going to work. That's one of the problems, thinking that it's all you. In case you missed it a while ago, it's grace on day one, it's grace on day two, it's grace on day three, dot, 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 dot. And in case you missed it, it's faith on day one, it's faith on day two, it's faith on day three, dot, dot, dot. But you know the flip side of this. You know, I'm going to sit in my easy chair (coughs) with my remote control for the TV, and if God wants me to be holy he'll make me holy. I mean, I'm showing how much I trust God because I'm just waiting on him. You know, it's like asking, God, I'm going to sit in this chair until you show me somebody to love, to show your love to. Guess what? You run into people all the time. That's who we are supposed to show love to. Every day, every minute of every day, you're being sanctified or not. It is neither activism, self-reliant activity, nor apathy, God-reliant passivity. It is, rather, God-dependent effort. You wake up every morning... And you say, God, I can't make through this day without you, which, by the way, is true. I need you to show me what to do, which is true. And then you go do it. Conclusion. In Christ, we are sanctified, made holy because of his righteousness. We are in the God-directed process of working that out in our daily life. That is the process of sanctification. Someday, God will complete complete in us that which he began. And remember, God's part and our part, and don't confuse the two. Justification is totally God. Just out of curiosity, why is that part totally God? We had this discussion last week. It's totally God because there's nothing we can do. Backing up in the Ephesians passage that we started with, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. It isn't that we could do something, but we don't have to. We can't do anything. But having been made alive, then we have to do something. Romans chapter 12, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And to me, this just gets real simple. That hand is part of my body. That hand can be used to do good things, or that hand can be used to do bad things. I am to set that hand apart to do what God directs it to do. And that is God's part to direct. Our part is to respond. We get confused because we're not growing fast enough. We get confused because we're not where we know we need to be. But we also get confused because we think it's all up to us. And that's the problem. We respond... God directs. But we take the parts of our body and we give them to God for his purposes every minute of every day and that's the process of sanctification. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the promise that what you began in us you will complete. I pray, Lord, that you'd help each of us to be obedient to that which you have revealed to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.